Welcome to the Mike Hewitt Show, 11 years and growing. It's about family, business, work, and politics like you've never heard it before. Yep, it's true. There's more than just a touch of wry humor mixed in. And now your host, Mike Hewitt. Folks, I am Mike Hewitt, co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedemdorski. Guys, I got to ask you, I'm reading all kinds of news this week. You and the three of us have talked about this before, but now we're starting to assign numbers to org. But again, I found the article in a number of different places, even on yahoo.com, which is as far left as you can get and still be in America. So the title of this from heritage.com, Stop Allowing Non-Citizens to Determine Congressional and Presidential Representation. And what the articles are talking about, what the concern is, is that when they do the census, for instance, in this most recent 2020 census, everywhere in America went through redistricting um, from, from the localist level all the way up to Congress based on population. So while we are all running around and their goal is just what I said, they're absolutely redistricting based on the massive numbers of there's over 11 million, according to Heritage, Heritage and another couple um, think tank groups, there are over 11 million non-citizens in the United States that do not have the legitimate right to vote, whether they're voting or not is a separate argument. But when we do censuses, they're absolutely impacting the the congressional districts um, and even on your state house and state senate districts, regardless of the states you're hearing us in. They're having a major impact on representation. So when we look at the House of Representatives, uh, on a federal level at least, and what are we separated now? Miles, what's it, four chairs or something that keeps us in the majority? It's very thin, whatever it is. We just lost one in up New York. But when you start doing the math, Heritage and a number of these organizations are saying the illegal population has tilted the numbers as much as 22 seats. Folks, I'm telling you, I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican, Libertarian, I don't care what your persuasion is politically. For, for us to put our intellectual honesty hat on and say, is this the course that America should be on? Anybody that actually wants true self-governance has got to say no. Niles, what do you say on the topic? So let's not forget what we talked about four four years ago. <clears throat> when they did the census, they undercounted Florida and they overcounted Minnesota. So right. even the census is corrupt. Right. So the, the census is not only is it corrupt by count, but it is it is unnaturally corrupted because of who they're counting. In in my view, I, I I just think it's zany. Lud, you're a professor. You're younger than Miles and I. So I tell you the younger part because 
because you probably see this from a different perspective than us old guys. What what say you on this topic, Ludwig? Well, I mean, let's think about the premise of why this was even outlined in the in the Constitution in the first place. Uh, population was growing in this country at the time with uh, immigrants from across the world, mainly Europe. Right. Uh, and they felt that they shouldn't have a voting right until they, they basically or essentially swore their allegiance to the United States by becoming a citizen. Uh, and in order to vote and have that right, you had to take on citizenship. I mean, this was a, obviously a topic that even in 1787, 86, 88, and into 89 was ratified, the Constitution, that it was a an issue. Otherwise, they would have never outlined this in the Constitution on what a voting citizen is. Well, listen, we spend a lot of time on this show talking about migration, legal migration. So the numbers of people that are leaving New York to go to to go to Florida, as an example, the numbers of legal citizens going from California to Texas. We talk a lot about that, but what makes it important, folks, other than all of the cultural obviousness, is that the, the way it's set up right now, each House seat is supposed to have a representation of 761,168 residents. You go, okay, well, residence is a funny word because now that encompasses all of these folks that are living there, whether they're living out on the sidewalk and should be there or not or not. It gets really scary if you're truly, genuinely about having representation. So if you're somebody on the far left, and by the way, thank you for listening to the show. If you're someone on the far left and you're listening right now and you're hopping up and down angry, but you've got a sign in your hand yelling equality, this flies right in the face of what you're advocating for. It just does. It it thwarts who we are as a people. So if the goal is just to win and you got a D by your name and you want to win and you don't care how you win. You just want to win. I would submit you're in the wrong country for that because that's not what makes America exceptional. And yes, America is exceptional. That's my two cents on it. And it, it, it doesn't make me angry folks. So if you're thinking, "Uh Oh, Mike's angry on this. I'm really not. I'm really sad. And I mean that earnestly. I'm sad for what's becoming of our self-governance when 11 million people can come from 160, 160 other countries, not surrender their citizenship of those countries, not go through the process of becoming citizens of the United States, but they can absolutely thwart how our system of self-governance works. What the definition, the very foundation of representation is supposed to be that thwarts all of that. Lud, what do you think? I think it's a major deal. Like you said, the <laughs> word residence. I would like to see where the word residence is listed. Is that in the census or is that actually in the Constitution? Because residence is completely different than citizenship. And, you know, like in, in Allendale, is it residency? In Allendale, Michigan, increases by 20 plus thousand every fall and winter and it reduces by that number for the spring and summer so during the election period there is a 20,000 person increase in residents here does that mean those people vote here right but we're talking about census numbers 
census is what matters, at least if it goes to this. So Grand Haven, Michigan, and, and this is true in a lot of communities across the United States, but Grand Haven more than doubles every summer. It goes from a nice town where people are comfortable to be to where passing through it is a nightmare. It just does. Sorry, folks. Well, but that's what I'm uh, saying is citizenship yeah. isn't residency. There's a huge difference. Yep. I, I agree with you, and that's the entire point of me raising this. But we're only we're we're trying to finite the dialogue to what impacts representation, and that's the census every ten years. We can look that up next week, because this is telling me what the average representation is per congressional seat. Next week, let's let's come armed with what the Constitution says versus what was enacted in law. I just think it's a scary topic. I really do. Isn't the census supposed to be counting citizenship, not just residents? We're going to look that up. We're going to bring the language. That's what I am. That was my interpretation. That was. And, and, and by the way, I think that's been a subject of debate, at least through the Civil War coming forward. Um, as people know that have listened to the show, I've read a lot on that topic. And I know there were great debates then about who to count. Um, and and I, I listen, when it comes to representation, we argue over voting, but we ignore this. I find that flabbergasting that we're ignoring who's included in that census report. That's everything. The whole redistricting argument we just went through is based on numbers, A, to Miles's point, that were corrupt in the first place, but B, people that shouldn't have been counted. That's my view of it. So listen, with that, folks, we've got to go to a break, but we'll be right back, and we are just getting started, so stay with us. Listen, guys, I want to I want to change directions. One one of the things since the last time we talked was this report that was issued by uh, the special counsel about Biden's competency, and that's really, frankly, not the part I want to talk about. But I, Jesse Waters, you guys have probably most of the folks that watch this show or heard this show um, are familiar with who Jesse Waters is from Fox. And I don't do a lot of referencings of Jesse, but he comes up with a fascinating point. You've got the CIA, Department of Justice. They've got five hours of Biden in an interview filled with massive gaffes. Um, and I listen, it's one thing for them to not come forward and reach out to, to somebody. And I'm talking about the, the 25th Amendment, to be candid with you. But to not do anything about the man with the football in his hand, the guy's carrying around a nuclear football. I've talked about this before. Lots of people have talked about it. He's carrying around the nuclear football, and he doesn't know whether he's a foot or horseback. But my concern, as it relates to the Department of Justice, and let me be candid with everybody, I have absolutely no trust in our federal Department of Justice, FBI, CIA. I don't have, like, some or a little. I have zero trust. So they've got five hours of this guy being recorded. And you can imagine if he can't do a paragraph in front of the cameras, how that five hours went. I'm not attacking him. I'm actually concerned. I'm A, I'm concerned for him. He's a human. 
but I'm also concerned for what leverage this provides them over him. Do I really want the federal bureaucracy with their thumb on the president's forehead? I don't support him. I don't support his ideology, but I do support the presidency. And I think Jesse Waters is right to point out that they now have leverage over the president because you can bet a, a bag of gold that if they reeled those five hours out into the public arena, Joe Biden would have a significant problem. And so his administration would do anything to prevent that from happening. Let me re-underline that. They would do anything to prevent that from happening. Guys, is Jesse Waters, I think he's right, but do you think him and I are wrong or overstating this? No, you know, I, I think ever since COVID, we've seen the scary power that the bureaucracy has over our lives. I, I, I listen, we have, but, but I would submit to you that, you know, when you hear me say, I distrust them, I have zero trust in them. It's because I don't think that they're the tools of federalism. I can't imagine even Hamilton, none of the founding fathers would have went, yeah, we need a federal police because it's not possible for those bureaucracies to remain not political. It isn't humanly possible. They are humans. I don't have to agree or disagree with them. That's not part of the part of the equation. The equation is, is how do you have a federal police that's not a political animal? It, it, there's a reason that they didn't want it that way. And by the way, I'll add on to that pile. There's a reason that our founders specifically did not want the federal government dealing with social issues. They didn't want them doing that. You do interstate commerce, you do national or international diplomacy, you do international uh, defense, but you do not do social issues. You do not. The government in that regard is becoming a self, a negative self-fulfilling prophecy. They're out doing things that absolutely are expected when you give them that authority. Not... <laughs> If it's not prohibited or, or directly, it, it goes to the states or the people. Folks, that's not an accident that the Tenth Amendment is there. The, the Constitution wouldn't have been ratified without the Tenth Amendment. And every since that day, those folks that wanted to have an overwhelming central government have done everything they can think of, big and small, including 11 million illegal immigrants affecting uh, representation. They've done everything that they can do to empower the bureaucracy, Miles Bauer, that you point at. This is all about them empowering of themselves, which is the party of central power, the exact same party that wants to open the borders. Oh, Mike, that's not what they do, but that's their actions. That is their actions. It just is. Uh, Hayden, will you do me a favor? Will you play that 60-second spot for us? Mike Hewitt here. How's the inflation Biden and his Democrat cronies cooked up for you and your families working out so far? Well, not Biden. He's clueless. But the Democrat Party is directly causing inflation with their out-of-control spending, money printing, borrowing, and broken economic policies. In 2019, their big minimum wage push was for 15 bucks an hour. Remember the debate? Who can afford a $15 hamburger flipper? Now California Democrats want a $50 minimum 
minimum wage. U.S. Rep. Barbara Lee justifies it by saying, just do the math. We did. It'd be $104,000 a year. Meanwhile, Dems in New York City close a public school, tell students stay home, classes are virtual. Dems fill that school with 2,000 illegal aliens. Democrats have doubled our cost of living inside three years. Do people really vote for this idiocy? Find the Mike Hewitt Show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You'll like it. Here's the point I'm trying to make, guys, with that piece. It isn't that we just disagree with some of the things that the bureaucracy is doing that President Biden or or who's ever really running the government is doing. When I sit and I look at the things that we're actually talking about, most Democrats, forget us, forget us for a minute, most honest Democrats that we just disagree with on policy issues, when they think, when they hear stories about a public school being closed, send the children home, let them be virtual educated, because we learned during COVID, Miles, that virtual education is a brain wreck. So send them home and let them be educated virtually and fill that school with illegal migrants. I don't believe that the average Democrat supports that. I just don't believe it. You got Barbara Lee out in California and others in the state Senate out there actually campaigning for a federal minimum wage of $50. In 1920, on this show, in 2019-2020, on this show, we went through all of the debates when they were pushing $15 an hour workers. Ludwig, this was your topic the other day. You wanted us on it. You were right with it because they had $15 hamburger. Nobody can afford it. They just can't afford it. When I go to a restaurant, think about this for a minute. My fast food restaurant meal for just me is on par with an average middle-class sit-down restaurant in cost. And, and people are going, well, who can afford that? That wasn't the point of it in the first place. So that that wasn't good enough. They want $50. And Barbara Lee, Representative Barbara Lee says, just do the math. So I did. $104,000 a year to be a burger flipper. And by the way, so that you know that I'm not being classist against burger flippers, I was a burger flipper. Miles, you and I owned a restaurant together. And guess right. what? The owners are the lowest paid in the joint. I'm just telling you, that's a fact. So I'm not trying to besmirch anybody. I'm saying the math is ridiculous. And the average Democrat, I can't believe, I don't believe that the average Democrat goes, yeah, pay them $50 an hour and close our public school to put illegal migrants in it. I don't believe the average Democrat wants that. Ludwig, straighten me out. Am I wrong? No, I think you're right. Uh, you go to Mexico and you'll see something costs a thousand pesos. Well, it's a buck. So all we're going to end up doing is instead of a dollar, it's going to cost a thousand dollars, but it's still only a dollar product. Right. It's a thousand dollar tree. That's it, what it'll become. It, it's still a dollar tree. You're right, except for one problem. The folks that work at the Burger King, the Burger McDonald's, et cetera, they can't actually afford that anymore. And by the way, the other problem that nobody ever talks about is the sales tax and property taxes wrapped around those numbers. 
and the so the one thing that's lose. going up that's not in keeping it's not in keeping with the economy is the taxation it's built in there just like ragu it's in there i'm telling you it's nutty the overwhelming majority of the american people would not support that and yet they keep going these and ours these and ours these and ours folks stay with us we'll be right back Folks, if you're just tuning in, I am Mike Hewitt, co-hosts Miles Bauer and Ludwig von Wiedendorski. We are broadcasting from our flagship station, 1450 AM, 99.7 FM, WHTC Holland, on the beautiful but cold shores of Lake Michigan. If you're hearing us in another state, you are absolutely listening to the finest radio station in your community. We appreciate your radio station carrying us, but even more so, we thank you very much for listening to our show. Miles Bauer, during break, you pointed something out about the $50 burgers, $40 burgers. Tell, tell the folks what you and I were talking about off air. Well, I mean, it isn't so much, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly agree with Lud's idea that you know, you're you're uh, spending fifty dollars to buy a one dollar product. Okay, totally agree there. But there there are just small businesses that would be wiped out um, unless you're a McDonald's, where you have all of that capital behind you. If you're just a mom and pops restaurant kind of like what you and i had many years ago mike um i mean this, this yep. is basically this is basically going to wipe out main street america and i don't know lud right you know dive in and tell me if you think i'm wrong no you're not wrong that's that's the short-term part of it and that's the immediate result we already saw it with the 15 dollars. and if you're going to go even further for an actual micro level results look at san francisco and portland and seattle those three cities alone all with the 20 dollars minimum wage within the city limits and they lost 50 to 70 percent of their small businesses within the first year you already know it's going to happen because we have three experiments that just took place in the last five years and that it's not because of covid it's because of the 20 dollars minimum wage it, it right. people don't get is that $20 now becomes the equivalent of the 725. And that's where my example with the Mexican peso being $1,000 being $1. We see these other countries will see price tags on there and they're saying like 10,000 yen or whatever it is. Well, guys, that's 250. That's $2.50 to us. 10,000 yen looks like a lot, but they have bills that are 10,000 yens and 100,000 yen. We're going to end up at that they, point if we don't start string riling in, reining in our printing and sending millions yeah, and billions more to Ukraine is also devaluing our dollar on our own economy. And that's what's even worse. Yeah, yeah but listen, I, I gotta tell you where I where I think I I, I I agree with a little bit of both of you on most of your points. <laughs> There's a sentence. Let me use an example, the restaurant that Miles and I owned. 
at the time we were running breakfast specials. This is late, was it 1990-ish plus or minus a few years. And the breakfast specials we were running at the time, you know the standard, it was a couple eggs, you know, uh, potatoes, toast, meat. Ours were $1.99. And that same meal on average now is between $13 and $15. And people will say, yeah, Mike, will stop it because all the math is constant. The problem with it is, is that's not true. It's not constant. Wages since then have doubled. They've exactly doubled. But the cost of that breakfast is, depending on where you are, five to six times more. So it's not it's not an equation that you compare with a pesos where their entire economy, the numbers all rose and got steeper together. That's not been the case because we've created targeted inflation in the United States. And I would submit to you guys, that's one of the reasons why the federal government doesn't include things like home ownership and food in their inflation numbers because they've targeted them. When you're looking at a breakfast, a single one person breakfast, that's five or six times more when my wages only went up a double, that that's not, <laughs> it's hard not to say that's targeted. And things like 20, 15, 20, or $50 minimum wages. Miles, I think in our restaurant, we had an average of 27 employees. If they would have come out and said, guess what? Everybody there now is going to be paid 50, 20. We would have said it was really great working with you folks. We we're going to miss you. Because the math doesn't support it. It just doesn't support it. People like Hillary Clinton would say, because she said this, so I don't have to guess, well, if that put you out of business, you shouldn't have been in business anyway. Except for when you look at the people that we employed, Miles Bauer, most of them, probably half of them, were close to senior citizen folks. It was a, it was a, a second job for the family. It helped them pay their Edison bills, which are unnaturally high because the utilities have become pseudo-government agencies. Fact. Not to like it. It's a fact. It helped them pay those crazy things. The other half, approaching half, were teenagers that were learning work ethic. I think that's a value that they take through life, that nowadays we dismiss it. What do you mean work yeah. ethic? I'm, I'm playing in the basement. I but you're making, assumptions. you're making assumptions the government wants that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm not. I'm actually saying that that's part of the bureaucracy that Miles Bauer uh, talked about that the government bureaucracy is making these decisions. I'll go you a step further. Our elected congressmen, congresswomen, they're so pigeonholed. Folks, you, you, wherever you're hearing me from, whoever your representation is, you're thinking, why doesn't he or she ever do this or that? <clears throat> well, you're not looking at how Congress is constructed. They're very, very pigeonholed. So nobody's diving into this. And the bureaucracy, if you look at the size of the federal government, the actual employee numbers of the federal government, and compare it from 1990, the era that Miles and I owned that restaurant, you compare it then to now, holy smokes. And that's who the bureaucracy is. They want more federal employees, more state employees, not more hamburger flippers. Yeah, Lud? Do you feel that the... Congress during that period of time, though, actually made more decisions and actually made stance and votes on legislation rather than passing it off to bureaucrats like they do today. 
I, I, yeah, but I will tell you this on that point. It's a great point, Lud. I think what, what the bureaucracy has, where it came from, is that Congress over those years and before that leading up to it, really probably from, from, from probably Woodrow Wilson forward, it, you could start putting math to it, where they started shirking the responsibility of taking political positions and they moved those positions to the bureaucracy. So no longer, I sit down with Bill Heisinger, who I'm not in his district anymore, so I can pick on him. I like Bill Heisinger a lot, and we agree on most things, not everything, most things. And I would look at him and go, what is that? Why are you not doing that? Well, such and such department handles that. No, my representation should be handling that. I think that we've lost, we've, we've left the rails because of politics, because our elected officials wanted to not, they, they got their feet out of the fire. It's not my fault. It's the government's fault. It's the bureaucracy. We don't like it either. Well, if you're not in control, who is? It's all yeah. those faithless, faceless people you can't identify. Yeah, I would, I would also add to that, not only does Congress shirk it to the bureaucracy, but they will also sometimes defer to the courts. They do. They want it. You're exactly right, Miles. Let the judge decide. Everybody hates the judge anyhow. Let him decide. Most people don't know how judges end up in office. He can take that burden. So you, they're, what they're doing in effect is they're shirking responsibility that belongs to Congress, right. rightfully belongs to Congress in a system of self-governance They've pushed it to the bureaucracy. They've empowered the bureaucracy. Then they yell about what the bureaucracy has done because of the politics. Well, that's not fixing any problems. When the Tea Party was first revved up, we were approaching $10 trillion debt. The world is going to end. Now what are we at, 33, heading towards $34 trillion? I, it's just not sustainable, and it's because how decisions are either being made or are not being made at all. That's that's my view of it. Um, we're down to seconds, I think. Is that right? There we go. I, I, I'm just telling you folks that we need to start getting to our represent, representatives and say you need to drag the power back to where the Constitution says it's supposed to be. Folks, stay with us. We'll be right back. Folks, I got to tell you, so recently Ludwig von Wiedendorski and I got into a friendly debate. I think this is a big deal. He thinks it's so boring he forgot about it when we're talking about doing this show today. So, guys, both of you, everybody, here's the point I'm making. Maybe, Lud, is because you're a kid. You're too young to know. That might be the problem. But when Miles and I were younger, your age, probably, everybody was doing stuff. They belonged to organizations. They went to churches. They belonged to Masons. They belonged to, I, I don't care, JCs. I don't care what the organization was. America was really steeped in being socially active. 
And I'm not talking about political activism, socially active. Um, I'm a Mason. I'm a churchgoer. I'm those things. And, and Ludwig, because of me actually officiating your wedding, so, and I started officiating weddings. I really liked doing that. I started looking at churches for sale. Folks, I was just looking at it from the point of a, of a chapel, not a church. And at the time, when was that, Ludwig, three years ago? Uh, it will be in May. Wow, congratulations. It's coming up three years. At the Yay. time, there were only three churches. Keeping in mind, I only wanted a little dinky chapel. But at the time, there were only three churches in the state of Michigan that I could find for sale. They were all in Wayne County, Michigan, which means Detroit. I live on the opposite side of the state. And I would add, by the way, I do that on purpose. That debate aside, there were only three. And at the time I set up one of those search engines with one of the the, the special, what do they call them? Um, I can't remember the terms, it doesn't matter, but uh, a special purpose facilities, uh, an organization that specializes in that. So from three, for about a six month window following your wedding, averaged three, now it averages a rolling 75 to 85 a day. There are churches all over the state of Michigan. I thought, wow, does Michigan have a problem? Miles is right. We're not purple anymore. We're deep blue. You know, no faith. So I started looking at the topic in total. There are churches all over the United States that are for sale. By the way, Catholic churches, Protestant churches, non-denominational, so all anybody that wants to get lost in the topic of whatever their faith or brand of, of churching is, it isn't any of that. And I started looking beyond that. JC's membership is down. All of the all of the organizations that were a big deal, not just in my time, but throughout the history of the United States, they're all in free fall. And, and I started looking at states now by religion. Literally, folks, I got on Google and I started searching states by religion and then states by non-faith. I looked at a number and, and they've actually got columns that will show you the math. And I can't remember, it doesn't matter. There's four or five where the majority faith in the state is no faith. Vermont was one of them. Oregon was obviously one of them. California would have been one of them, except for this, the northern half of California still has a lot of normal, regular, good people, just saying. Uh, I, I find it fascinating that an, a state, uh, a United States that was so steeped in civic involvement in social gatherings now is completely removed from it at every level, both faith and non-faith issues. Ludwig, you're young. Explain it to Miles and I. Why is this, or do you not believe it? 
Uh, I think there's a cultural shift in the way things people get together. One, uh, yeah. the JCs, I was a part of that. Uh, and it's for and for those who don't know, it's the junior chambers for young professionals, 18 to 40 years old. Um, and so that people that are 18 to 40 have a place to feel empowered and belonging rather than just being there and being told how to, how to do things by the older generation. But I think things have changed in how we gather. Uh, fantasy sports. There's a lot of people doing fantasy sports, and that's their outing rather than joining the Masons or uh, JCs or the uh, Knights of Columbus. These kinds of things. They're seeing. They're using sports as a way of their gathering. Um, I, I do I, believe I, that. Where I, where I disagree with you, Lada, and, and I and I say it respectfully this time, by the way. Those those things there's there's always been deep interest in sports and sports gatherings. What I'm seeing is the replacement of social chats as in other words, digital. So no one's actually physically getting together. No, no, and, even those are not mind touched on early in the show today. They're not social. They just aren't. They're pretend. They're not real. And just people, people have a different persona, a different personality when they're online versus who you see in a real person. I know no. that directly from being engaged in politics. The church thing, I think that's a direct result of shutdowns. Um, a lot of things, attendance dropped because people realized they didn't have to go anymore. They could do it from their home. I think some people may have lost faith uh through that yep. and yep. um that could be why you see a drop in faith um people uh, believing in something but i think a yep, lot the, of the, 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 the vacancies are because growing, of the shutdowns ludwig the fastest growing faith in america by far is no faith at all and i would submit to everybody i don't care what your faith is Judaism, Christianity, Muslim, I don't care. I think it's human nature. I think it's a demand of your human body to have a faith in something. And I would submit to you that those atheists or people of non-faith actually have faith. They have faith in things they can't prove, same as me. I can't prove it. They can't prove it. And therefore, it is by definition faith miles what do you say on this topic no i would uh cer certainly agree although i think that there are are folks that want the the government to be our religion rather than something else yeah i it's funny that you say that because i actually wrote that in my book, very close to those words, the one I wrote in 2011, that folks had exchanged their faith for government. Um, Lud? 
and there's one more thing I think too is, and I know you've given me crap about it. You've given some I, of your daughters crap about no, it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Ludwig. Just, hey, Miles, Lud we we uh, never give you crap, dude. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say, Miles. You've been on the show now for years. Yeah, we've never done that with him. But you you always talk about us all running our kids around everywhere and doing everything, and I do think that that's been a change. That instead of uh, our kids being home and we're going to the Masons meeting, we're taking them to a sports practice and our people we're talking to are our sports family. And we do create a lot of friendships through the sports family that are lifelong. I, 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 I gotta tell you, I, I think that's a fascinating thing. Um, it, it would be fun. We should do an episode sometime about why that has come to pass. I think schools have went, holy smokes, we're in some political dog poop right now. We need to find a way to draw people in. And and they've created an, a, a litany of different functions that people are feeling forced and ob obligated to do. So I've got four daughters raising nine grandchildren, and they look like they look like crazy taxi cab drivers, and I just roll my eyes, and I love all of them. I'm not ragging on any of them, but holy smokes! Um, listen, Miles, we're we got no time at all. We're we're done. But folks, listen. Thank you very 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 much for tuning in. Please be safe. Send us an email. Tell us if we're wrong or right. We will see you next week. Be safe.